you know, 22 years in now, I can honestly say that no, I, I wouldn't. I would I would do everything exactly the way I did it. Um, and I I think this is a, a great career choice. It, it just there's a lot of flexibility. The work life balance is is great. It's meaningful what we do every day. Most therapists are happy with what they do, so you kind of get to go to work every day with people that are happy and enjoy what they do. That was Todd Bryson, an occupational therapist here in New York City working at Mount Sinai Hospital. I think this is a terrific interview with Todd. Not only does he know his career very well and the study of occupational therapy, but he is also just very passionate about his career and and taking care of patients. And I think you're going to sense that as you continue to listen in this episode. I was also just very fortunate that this episode follows after the two episodes with Dr. Nate Inoki, a hand surgeon. Why is that? Because hand surgeons and occupational therapists, especially someone like Todd who specializes in the hand and the upper extremity, well, professionally, they work together very closely uh, with regard to their patient management. Of course, after surgery, the patient will usually get rehabilitation therapy with an occupational therapist like Todd. So again, I was just very fortunate that both uh, guests were available around the same time and I got to interview them around the same time and put their episodes right after each other. If you're interested in a career where you have meaning, high satisfaction rate, and portability, as Todd will explain, then I think you should continue listening to his podcast as Todd will highlight those benefits. But not only that, the backstory with Todd and how he got into occupational therapy is just really interesting. He did not necessarily come, uh, he did not necessarily go straight from high school into occupational therapy. And so I think that story could uh, be very rel- very relatable to a number of people. So let's, let's get this uh, rest of the podcast going. Let's cue the intro. Hello, and welcome to Health Careers with Dr. Martin, where we have deep, personalized, and eye-opening conversations with various people in healthcare. We learn what it's really like to work in different health careers from people who are living it today. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Martin, and welcome. Today's guest is Todd Bryson, an occupational therapist. He got his Bachelor of Science degree in occupational therapy at SUNY in Buffalo. He went to NYU for a master's degree in occupational therapy and also went to Drexel University in Philadelphia for upper quadrant and hand rehabilitation uh, training. He is a course director and instructor of kinesiology at Columbia University, develops and teaches seminars nationally on clinical management of shoulder pathologies for Vine education, is founder and course director for practical rehab seminars, and currently works with and for Mount Sinai Medical Center for altogether about 18 years as a senior advanced clinician, where he helps supervise staff members as well as provide mentoring, along with taking care of patients. For part of his career, he was also in private practice, serving as a clinical director of Hand Therapy NYC, 
where he helped manage and supervise clinical and non-clinical staff. Okay, let's meet Todd. Hi, Todd, and uh, hello and welcome. How are Thanks, you? Thanks, Dr. Marr. Excellent. Happy to be here. Look, uh, it's great that you're here. You can call me Richard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, as some people know, um, and as you know, I had a thumb problem before, and I swear I thought I was going to need surgery or some kind of intervention. And so, as you know, Dr. J. Kim at Mount Sinai, he's mm-hmm. a hand surgeon, um, recommended me to you. I was like, eh, I was a little doubtful because I thought I needed something more invasive. And I got to tell you, you taught me some nice exercises and you custom made this brace for me and it did wonders. And Great. It, it, just, it wasn't just a brace. It was the care and the thoughtfulness and the confidence that this would work and it did. And I was really amazed and I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate oh, that. You're welcome. Happy to help. <laughs> you know, um, as I may have mentioned, I had actually interviewed a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Nate Inoki out in Oregon, who is a hand surgeon, not too long ago. And I, he's on, he uh, is on a podcast, and I thought it'd be a great segue and just perfect timing that you, as an occupational therapist specializing in hand, would be in this follow-up podcast. So I think it's great. Oh, excellent. Good. So thank you for coming on board. Um, but Todd, in your own words, what exactly is your career? What do you do? What's your responsibilities? Okay. Um, so I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm trained as an occupational therapist. That's, that's the degree um, tract or the degree program that you have to complete in order to become an occupational therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been practicing for about 22 years. I, I graduated in 1998. Um, and occupational therapy, a lot of people don't know what occupational therapy is, so it's, it's great that we're doing this. Yes. Um, the profession is, uh, is uh, over 100 years old. I think it's 103, 104 years now. And originally the profession started out of uh, ment- in the mental health um, area. It was started by a psychiatrist and a nurse. Um, and it was basically um, based on observations of, of people with mental illnesses just kind of withering away and being totally disconnected and disengaged and just getting worse and worse and worse. Hmm. And they started engaging people in just simple activities um, like you know arts and crafts or anything like that. And they, they noticed that these patients started perking up and becoming more engaged with the world. Um, so they actually started formalizing that, that type of treatment with these people, um, and that gave rise to the profession of occupational therapy. And the, the word occupation, I get this all the time. People, patients get referred to me and they're confused because they didn't get hurt at work or they don't have any problem mm-hmm. with, their, with their work. So the, the word occupational uh, historically means um, occupations were considered just any activity or any type of task that was purposeful or meaningful or functional to somebody. I see. So that's occupational therapy. The the profession has changed and evolved a lot over the last hundred years, and there are a lot of different specialty areas in occupational therapy. As I said, it started in out of the mental health uh, area, so um, there's a huge mental health component to it. So after World War II, like when, when soldiers were surviving battlefield injuries, it kind of shifted over a new paradigm into more of like the, the medical model and the physical disabilities model and taking care of that aspect of people. I see. How does occupational therapy different than uh, other therapies like physical therapy? And what are the other type of 
um, similar professions in your um, your area that you work with? Okay, great question. Uh, physical therapy and occupational therapy are definitely the the two that are closest. Speech therapy or speech and language pathology is doesn't have a physical component to it. It's more of just literally the speech and the language part of it. So physical and occupational therapy are, are similar. And historically, apparently, right around that time, again, around World War II, the, the two professions really kind of, in some ways, came together to care for the physical rehabilitation aspect of, of taking care of, like, you know, people surviving battlefield injuries. Um, so th- they're similar in the sense that they're both, like, rehabilitation professions in terms of helping people recover physical traits or physical attributes after an injury, a disease, a mm-hmm. disability. Um, so th- those are some similarities. Uh, some di- the, some of the differences are if you just think of like regionally the body, occupational therapists tend to focus more and be more specialized in treating injuries involving the upper extremity or the arms. Um, and physical therapists get a lot more extensive training in treating injuries to the to the spine and to the lower extremities, the legs, you know, knee injuries, hip injuries, back injuries. Um, I mean, physical therapists do get training in treating the arm as well. It's just right. from a specialty point of view, occupational therapists get a lot more more extensive training in the areas. So professionally, they tend to go into those areas and and specialize in those areas. Uh, but another huge kind of difference between occupational and physical therapy is occupational therapists because of its roots in the mental health um, area get a lot of training on cognitive remediation cognitive rehabilitation so for example if someone has a uh, a neurologic incident like a, a stroke or a cva yes the the occupational therapist in addition to working on the the arm and the upper extremity will also help to work on rehabilitation and restoration of some of the cognitive functions like visual issues or perceptual issues, issues around judgment, safety, uh, and some of those just kind of cognitive like neurological processes where physical therapists don't really directly deal with those types of things. They would be more um, involved in walking and ambulation. Is there a particular case that you that you can think of that kind of would represent occupational therapy or that even left an impression on you in your career oh, that you goodness. could share? I, I, you mean as it, as it distinguishes from physical therapy or just in general? Maybe uh, one that distinguishes it from physical therapy, but even one in general. Okay, sure. Um, just to kind of wrap up the OTPT connection, um, you know, if, if you take, for example, like I, I mentioned a, a patient had a, a stroke, a, cere- a cerebrovascular accident. Right. Um, and you're looking at an inpatient hospital setting. So the physical therapist would work on uh, standing with, with, with the patient, looking at the leg, addressing any deficits related to that to improve your ability to stand and to walk. Whereas the occupational therapist would work on trying to regain function in the arm and as well as any cognitive um, disabilities the patient might have, whether it's a neglect or a visual perceptual issue. Um, and also an, another big thing that I mentioned is that OTs are particularly um, concerned with, with function and not just movement for the sake of movement, but can the, can the patient 
dress themselves, feed themselves, mm-hmm. get themselves in and out of, of, of the bathroom or the kitchen, um, and uh, just all those kind of function, you know, daily activities of daily living, the OT will be really heavily focused on figuring out ways, whether it's restorative and rehabilitative or just kind of compensatory ways to try to um, get, you know, get the per- person to regain the highest level of independence possible to get back to those, um, to those, you know, daily functions. Uh, but just in general, I mean, I, I, I've been practicing for 22 years. I've seen a lot of things earlier on in my career. Uh, my first job at uh, Mount Sinai where I currently work was mm-hmm. on the acute spinal cord injury unit. And that was just such a, just a profoundly just life altering experience and working with people that have, that have, come up against these devastating injuries and you know whether it's a someone who's a paraplegic meaning they're paralyzed from the waist down or a quad or tetraplegic person uh, who's paralyzed from the neck down so my my first patient who I kind of always think about and remember she was a 25 year old girl mm-hmm. who she happened to be a nurse and she was at a party with her friends in the summer and they're running around the pool, and there was some, you know, uh, some drinking involved. Uh, they're running around the pool, and she didn't realize what end of the pool she was on, and she dove in the pool and landed in the shallow end, and wow. landed on top of her head and broke her neck. And she was a, a kind of a, a high-level quadriplegic, meaning she, you know, was on the higher end of the of the cervical spine. So she had very, very limited function in her arm, and I just. I remember my first day at work, you know, looking through the, the doors in the gym and seeing her sitting in her wheelchair and just being overwhelmed by the fact of like, this is a 25 year old person who I, that was about my age when I first started mm-hmm. my career. And she's in a wheelchair, you know, paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of her life and just kind of was like, wow, this is what I'm going to do every mm-hmm. day. I'm going to come to work and try to help people that are just dealing with these awful, devastating things in life. And just you know dealing with the families as well and just you know uh, just really coming up against that every day is is you know a, a big thing and just make, makes you realize that you know there's you, there's a, you have a lot of, of things to be thankful in life if you're not in that situation so you get a lot of perspective from things like that how did it feel taking care of her uh, it, it was it was overwhelming, you know. Um, at first, emotionally, it was very difficult, um, and also just very inspiring in the sense that the one of the things that that really stuck out for me right away. I would come home from work every day, and I would say, "How do these patients like get out of bed every day and and try to get better, knowing that the best case scenario for them is not really that good." you know, in terms of what their potential is for recovery in a setting like that. Um, so that was the thing that really was the most profound for me. It was so inspiring to me. It was how like the, these people get up every day and they try hard and they work hard and, and they do what we ask them to do. And, and they have hope that there's, there's something out there for them and there's a way that they can, you know, you know, find a new reality or a new life for themselves out of all this. Well, that is an, that's an awesome story. Um, obviously, it definitely uh, left an impression on you since it's more than 20 years ago. Oh, it's, it's changed my life. It's shaped my life, just the way I, I, I view things and um, the things that I don't take for granted and the appreciation for 
literally just being able to put one foot in front of the other or to breathe on my own without a ventilator. Would you say some of the things that occupational therapists do is things that we who are not injured or have a uh, problem from a disease take for granted? Oh, absolutely. In daily activities. And what you do is you help them out with those activities. Yes, tremendous, tremendous. You you, you know that old saying, you don't know what you have until it's it's gone. I mean, it's it's true and it's highlighted when you're working with the people who who have disabilities or dysfunctions. Yes, absolutely. Todd, you specialize in hand in occupational therapy. Um, And before you even get into that, what are the other specialties in occupational therapy that you can go into and why did you choose hand? Excellent question. Um, so uh, occupational therapy is, is a very broad profession, as I mentioned, you know, the, the whole mental health aspect of it. Um, some of the kind of general specialty areas are a very, very small percentage of people are still of occupational therapists are still working in mental health. Very mm-hmm. small percentage mm-hmm. of people. Um Pediatrics is is a huge specialty area in occupational therapy, beginning literally at the neonatal level, focusing on developing reflexes and feeding in neonates, um, premature babies. School-based occupational therapy is really big, helping kids with sensory disorders, uh, autism, developmental disorders, physical disabilities, whether it's handwriting or low tone. Um, and so that's pediatrics is a, is a really big area that's definitely um, has, has become more popular over the last mm. 10 years, I would say, with increased awareness of pediatric disabilities, especially autism. And then you have, um, you know, the, the majority of OTs, kind of the bread and butter um, and the kind of natural pathways to go work in a hospital setting where you're working in inpatient rehab uh, setting where, you know, someone had a stroke or a spinal cord injury or some other type of, of an accident that required hospitalization and they need, you know, rehab services, usually OT and PT and perhaps speech to kind of recover to the point where they can either go home or perhaps maybe have to be transferred to uh, a long-term care facility, a nursing home, or something like that. So the, those are kind of the general specialty areas in terms of inpatient hospitalizations. And then uh, what what I do is I've spent pretty much um, the bulk of my career. I, I, I worked in, in the inpatient rehab setting for about a year and a half. And then um, I started working in an outpatient setting, working with, with pretty much exclusively with patients who have had orthopedic injuries. So broken bones, fractures, dislocations, tendon injuries, things of that nature. Uh, so I've, I've pretty much been doing that for the, for the bulk of my career, so a little bit over 20 years. Um, and that, that actually is a big specialty area that's kind of exclusive, not entirely exclusive, but um, most people that have uh, the advanced certification that I have in treatment of upper extremity injuries I think about 90% of those of those people are occupational therapists by training. And I, I am considered or I, I am certified as a certified hand therapist, but it's a bit of a misnomer because it really, um, it involves the entire upper extremity, so shoulder, elbow, wrist, and hand. Oh, okay, so it's not just from the wrist down. 
No, no, it's 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 not. Certified hand therapist is probably not the most inclusive name. It should be upper. Ex, it should be certified upper extremity rehab specialist or it's something too like long. that. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so was there a reason why you chose that specialty versus the other specialties you mentioned of yes. occupational therapy? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, a little bit of background is I um, I got into occupational therapy um, because I, I was a I was a little bit of a uh, I can I guess I can call myself a little bit of a knucklehead when I when I was young and I was a kind of classic slacker underachiever didn't put a lot of effort into high school and little, somewhat directionless so I didn't go to college uh, for four years after high school I worked as an auto mechanic because I was always very mechanically inclined and I was good at taking things apart and putting them back together. So I worked as an auto mechanic for four years. I was really into cars and race cars and everything. Um, so I had that kind of mechanical inclination and I hurt my back and I actually went to physical therapy and um, I, you know, kind of was in that setting. I said, wow, this, this beats, you know, slaving away under the hood of a car. Maybe mm -hmm. I'll, you know, mm -hmm. go to college and, and try this whole college thing out. So Long story short, I decided on, you know, occupational therapy. Um, so I, it, I've always had this kind of mechanical kind of mindset and really enjoyed like working with my hands and fixing things and building things. So when I got into occupational therapy, um, orthopedics is very mechanically oriented, like understanding yes. how muscles work, how, how joints connect and stress right. and strain and biomechanics. So it, it kind of naturally led me into structure and function, uh, so anatomy and biomechanics. And the area of OT that requires the most advanced or working knowledge of those things happens to be orthopedics mm. and working there that I work in. So that was one part of it. This just seemed like a natural fit for me based on kind of the way that my mind works and the way I see things. But the other component, probably equally important or relevant was, to be honest, I, I, found, I found the heaviness and just the emotional impact of working in the spinal cord area was was a, was a lot for me. Um, I was having dreams about, you know, my patients walking again, and it it just really? it was it was profound, and it really impacted me, and it still does to this wow. day. But I and I also felt to a degree that I that I I couldn't help these patients in the way that I wished that I could. Whereas in an orthopedic setting, which if we use your case, for example, I mean, I, I, I fabricated a, a, a splint for you out of, right. out of plastic. And mm -hmm. um, so it's very mechanical and very tactile. And I was able to, to give you guidance and give you direction and educate you about your injury and what you can do to, to manage it. And, and it worked. And I, that, that is very appealing to me to kind of be able to really directly impact somebody's recovery on that level. I know you mentioned the specialties, but are there different venues that occupational uh, therapists, therapists can work in? For example, the hospital setting versus an outpatient setting. Could you describe some of that? And also, are there other settings that that OTs can work in? Absolutely. And this, this is maybe, you know, there's a lot of great things about um, being an occupational therapist. And I, I absolutely love what I do. And I can honestly say I would not change my career path if I could go back to do it again. That's great. Uh, one of the amazing things about occupational therapy is there's so many different 
areas of, of specialty that you can go in. And even within those specialties, there's so many different avenues or different venues. So for example, you could work in a school, you can work for the board of ed and literally have a teacher schedule. You can have the summers off, you could have the holidays off. So for, for parents who want to be home and their kids are home, yeah, you can be an OT and you can go work for the board of ed and you'll be off where they're off. Um, you can work in a private practice in a pediatric setting and only work with kids with autism, for example. Or you can work in neonatology and work with kids who are, you know, with, with neonates who are premature and you're helping them develop feeding reflexes. Um, you can work in an acute care setting in the hospital where patients have been admitted, you know, emergently after a surgery. Uh, or after some type of, a, of a, a, a stroke or an injury or a disability like that. Or you can work in, like I said, mentioned, or the inpatient rehab side where they're medically stable. Now they've moved to a, a, the, the next kind of level of recovery where they need to be progressed to the point where they can be discharged either home or to a long-term care setting. So lots of OTs work in nursing homes, for example. Um, and then on the outpatient side, uh, which is where, where I've spent all, pretty much most of my career, there's really kind of two areas where you, you can be on the, you can work in a hospital setting like I do now, mm-hmm. or you can work in a private practice setting where it's a, a privately owned um, practice, whether it's an independently owned or for a larger group, which I had a, a brief uh, two and a half year stint in the, in the world of private practice. Um, and there's a lot of differences between the two. Um, but the nature of the work is is kind of the same, um, but it's just you know it's different because one's a, a private kind of for practice model or for profit model, and the other in being in a hospital, you're just you're a part of a larger health system. So it's just a little bit different. Um, could you walk us through a typical day for yourself, like when you come in, maybe the. the- patients you see i know everybody every occupational therapist is a little different especially in the the type of venue that they're working at and their specialty but for you what is your day like when do you leave what is that can you walk us through that so if someone can have a better feeling of what that experience is like yep okay so in in the outpatient setting one of the one of the big advantages of working in outpatient setting over an inpatient setting is um, clinics tend to be open from let's say 7 a.m sometimes even a little bit earlier all the way up to 8 p.m. So there's a lot of flexibility in, in scheduling. You can work early in the mornings. You're working later at night. In my case, I work. Um, I usually get in the office at about 6:45 in the morning, 6:30, 6:45. Open up the the computer, look at my schedule for the day, review my patients. Um, you know, review any operating reports that I might need to look at. Review any imaging studies, X-rays, MRIs that might be relevant to the patient's care. Um, and then I start treating patients at seven, um, and I see I see you know one patient every half an hour, so two an hour. Um, and I I my last patient is at two thirty, um, so I usually finish up treating around three, and then you know I I kind of fit, wrap up for the day. Usually leave around three thirty or four. Um, you know I and my current job at Mount Sinai I get a full hour lunch, which is which is really great. So. Um, it's a very manageable workflow. Todd, you know, you also, um, we talked about before we started the recording, before the show, um, you actually do more than just 
work as an occupational therapist, you do some lecturing as well. Yeah, so my 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 love of of teaching actually started when um, when I first went to college. So I because I was as I mentioned before a bit of a slacker, like I kind of <laughs> I, I barely made it out of high school through the skin of my teeth. Um, okay. So when I when I decided like that I wanted to go to college, actually I, I you know I never I never took the SATs or I never did anything like that. So I signed up at a local community college um, in Philadelphia, where I'm from. And I started. I started from the ground up, and um, I had some incredible teachers who were very supportive, and professors who encouraged me to to not quit and to keep going, and you know to really kind of just keep at it. And so the value of of a of a good educator beyond just teaching, you know, the X's and the O's of the subject, but just connecting with students and inspiring them in the way that they were teaching and, and, and making a, a higher level connection. I just remember thinking to myself, like, I want to, I want to do that for somebody else. So I, I, while I was in that community college, I actually worked as a peer tutor in the learning center. Um, and that was kind of my first exposure to teaching and education. And, um, I kind of continued that, you know, uh, I, I transferred from the community college to University of Buffalo, where I got my uh, bachelor's degree in occupational therapy, and then I later on went to NYU for my master's. Um, so that's where my kind of love of teaching and education uh, started. And w- once I began working um, as an occupational therapist, I started by uh, being a teaching assistant or a lab assistant. Um, in the program and the occupational program at NYU and at Columbia. And that just kind of developed into me teaching my own classes and developing my own classes for graduate students, you know, who are in the occupational therapy program. And then outside of that, um, I I began doing a lot of like uh, peer teaching to my colleagues, occupational physical therapist. Um, I did you mean one on one or in a large no, group? No, in, in, in a large group in in, in, a, se- in a seminar uh, format. Um, I, I briefly kind of launched my own continuing education company and, and did a few initiatives of that, which were successful. But the the business side of it was a little bit too much for me, so mm-hmm. I decided to um, to just join up with a very large continuing education company that took care of all of the the travel arrangements and all the marketing so it was it was was fun it was enjoyable i got to you know travel you know to 18 different cities all over the country um teaching seminars uh, about you know mostly about shoulder rehabilitation actually so um but that that's that's another great thing it's it's another outlet for occupational therapists or physical therapists to get into to teaching or education which you know not only supplements your your income, but it also it it breaks up. And I don't want to say the monotony of being in the clinic, but it's just a nice it's a nice break from actually the clinical side of it. And I can say for sure for me that being being an educator has made me a better clinician, and being a clinician has definitely made me a better educator. Got it. You know, in high school, you you did not have any vision of even being in healthcare. Zero obviously. vision. And so you're you're out. You graduate high school. You're you're working as a mechanic. Yep. What was the process from? And you talked about it briefly, but you started going to community college. Is that what it was? Yep. So the my, the kind of the turnaround started. Um, 
I, I was, I meant, I think I mentioned I was, I was really kind of interested in, in, in race cars and I, I had a race car and, um, my friend was, was driving a car at the racetrack on that particular run and he crashed it going about 130 miles an hour. So it was a kind of really u- ugly scene. The car yeah. was flipping over and there's smoke everywhere or whatever. Um, and he was fine, thankfully, but that, that, just that experience for some reason kind of like shook me up a little bit. And um, the, the the last job I had working as an auto mechanic was it just it was kind of a it, it was a rough place in a sense that and a, along the way of being a mechanic, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it and I, I'm not disparaging the profession, but most of the, the mechanics that I worked with were constantly telling me like get out while you can kid like i can see you're a smart kid and you have some skills like you 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 know you don't you don't want to be doing this you know when and and not be able to get out of it so that just kind of was in my mind and the last job i had was just it was kind of like a miserable job and i just Mm -hmm. woke up one day and i said you know what i i gotta i gotta do something different and I, I just literally uh, I signed up for a for a class at, at a community college. It was called Psychology of Career Development. It was a non credit class, and just being in the classroom setting and just being in that environment, just I, I literally and this kind of fits with my personality. I just came home one day and I said, you know what, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to college full time, and <laughs> and that, that's that's it. I'm kind of that's kind of the person I am. Once I decide to do something, I'm going to do it. So when did the idea of occupational therapy come about? One of my classmates at the time was was trying to pursue a career in, in OT, and I said, well, what's that? So I literally went to the to the career center at Montgomery County Community College where I went, and um, I started asking around and doing some reading on it, and it turns out that one of the counselors there, her niece was going to occupational therapy school, connecting me with her. You know, I, the more I learned about the profession, it sounded really appealing to me. And then I did um, some observation hours with an occupational therapist who was fantastic and very dynamic and very creative. And I just thought, you know, like th- this this would be a great fit for me. I was I was also always very interested in, in psychology and human behavior and what motivates people. And I just, you know, it was, it was a really good fit for me. And I liked that kind of psychological component to it, which differentiates it a, a little bit from from physical therapy and I think it was just kind of that combination of things of meeting the right people at the right time and and so I chose that profession and then once I got into that program I just really gravitated towards anatomy and you know kinesiology the study of movement which is what I teach now um, and that whole kind of biomechanical aspect mm-hmm. of it which I found really interesting and, and appealing to me and so that kind of like led me into the area that I specialize in as, as a clinician. Todd, uh, what type of schooling is um, required to become an occupational therapist? I'm not, I'm, it may have been different when you were in school. I'm not yes. sure. Yeah, way back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, actually, when, when, I, when I graduated, which was in 98, most of the programs were bachelor's degrees. And right around the time when I graduated in 98, they started transitioning into entry-level master's programs. Currently, you have to get a master's degree. That's kind of the minimum degree. Um, There's a big push in the profession to transition into entry-level doctorates, not not a PhD, 
but a, a, a clinical doctorate. Got it. Um, it's not mandated. The, the physical therapy is is mandated. You have to get a doctorate. Yeah. Um, currently in in OT. Um, you still can just get a master's. There are many programs that, that do offer a doctorate, and there are some programs that only offer the, offer the doctorate because it's really – it's only an extra like semester or two at the most to mm-hmm. get the doctorate over the master's. So um, it's, it's an entry-level master's program typically, but as I said, there are some – that are doctoral programs. You can have any undergraduate degree. It could be biology. It could be history. It could be psychology. A a lot of OT students tend to major in psychology as an undergrad. Um, Different programs have different requirements in terms of prerequisites. Some programs are are a little bit heavier on the science prerequisites. Um, Typical, you know, standard prerequisites are you have to have, you know, like a year of biology, usually a year of anatomy and physiology, maybe a semester of chemistry, maybe a semester of physics, but um, every program is different. Some programs don't require chemistry or physics, but there's there's definitely some science component involved for uh, prerequisites to get into the program. Todd, reflecting back, is there uh, any... Thing that you would do differently for you know, yourself. I'm, 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 I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. I, 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 I really, <laughs> yeah, I, I really can honestly say that no, I, I wouldn't. I mean, along the way, I've had, I've had some, you know, uh, I wouldn't say career crisis, but I've, I've had moments along the way where I thought mm, maybe I should have like, should I have pushed it a little bit more, and should I have maybe you know gone into medicine or, um, or you know, I, I had times where I thought about maybe nursing along the way. But, you know, 22 years in now, I can honestly say that, no, I, I wouldn't. I would I would do everything exactly the way I did it. Um, and ter- I, I think this is a, a great career choice. It, it just, there's a lot of flexibility. The work-life balance is, is great. It's meaningful what we do every day. Most therapists, are happy with what they do. So you kind of get to go to work every day with people that are happy and enjoy what they do. And, and the, you know, the best part of the job is, is, is meeting people. And, and I mean, that's how I met you and, um, you know, and we're reconnecting all these years later. So, you know, you make an impact, the patients make an impact on, on me and I make an impact on the patients. So it's, it's really, it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, career and it's a great profession. And I, I really enjoy it. Sounds like a high satisfaction rate. Very high, yes. And not just you, but even amongst your peers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You don't see a lot of people changing careers from going from OT into other careers. M- most people tend to just stay in that profession, which I guess in some ways some people might look at that as a limitation mm. where you know, if, if you're trained as an occupational therapist, you're probably going to be working in the area of occupational therapists, whether it's a clinician or as an administrator or something like that. Got it. Todd, do you have any parting thoughts for um, anybody interested in your career? I, I, you know, I, like I said, I, you know, I hope my, you know, passion and enthusiasm for the profession comes across during this podcast. Um, it's, It's a great career option. It's, it's flexible. It's, it's a portable skill. You can 
you can be an, an occupational therapist does the same thing whether you're in Philadelphia or California or New Mexico or whatever. So it's a it's a it's a portable skill. Um, you know, it's it's it has a very high level of satisfaction um, for for everyone involved. Um, I think it's a great lifestyle and it's it's very rewarding. Hey Todd, this has yeah. been fantastic. No, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it, and, and it's, it was great to, to reconnect with you, and, and thanks for, for reaching out. That was Todd Bryson. I am just very happy that he was able to join us on this podcast. If you'd like to reach out to him, he can be reached through his LinkedIn account. Just type in Todd Bryson, that's T-O-D-D-B-R-Y-S-O-N, and put O-T after it in the search, and you'll be able to find him. Our next guest is a friend of mine for several years, and he is an ENT doctor, ear, nose, and throat, and he has some very interesting stories and perspective on life that I think you'll really enjoy. So stay tuned for our next episode. I really appreciate you guys listening in. If you like what you're hearing, please hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, it elevates the recognition of the podcast, but also it just makes me feel good. So makes me know that I'm doing something for someone that's useful. And of course, if you think that this podcast could be improved or you think there's a guest that we should maybe get on this podcast, please let me know. Is this a career that you think should be on this podcast? Let me know. Would love to hear from you and I will help find that career for you and we'll hear from them. So, again, thank you. I appreciate you. And um, I'll see you at the next episode. You've been listening to Health Careers with Dr. Martin. If you want to find out more about me or about the podcast, please go to healthcareerswithdrmartin.com or hcwithdrmartin.com. Thanks for listening. And I hope you will tune in again.